Bearcat Bounce Podcast back at it again. Aaron Smith, how are we? I am relieved that UCF week is over. (laughs) Well, you know what? UCF week is over, but it ended in a bang, not only on the field, but with Bearcat Journal bringing you guys left, right, straight jabs, and then uppercuts, strong hooks, haymakers, every single thing you want to see about the game, reactions, a little not only Dave after dark, but BCJ after dark. I mean, we, we are not lacking in the content about one of the bigger wins. Let's not, let's not lessen this win. One of the bigger wins in program history. Listen, some of us had some adult beverages consumed (laughs) and we may have just fully embraced the whole after dark atmosphere. Um, There were plenty of sorry, Dan's and, uh, (laughs) It was uh, it, it was a lot of fun, and I look forward to the next one for sure. Yeah, you know, it's like you guys went to Universal Studio, part of Orlando. We're gonna kind of be a little bit more of the Disney World no, side we, of Orlando. It was like we drank around the world. Yes, ooh, a little little Epcot. <laughs> We're gonna be the Magic Kingdom yes, in the is. MGM Studios <laughs> and Animal Kingdom for you guys here. But yeah, it, tame, tame it down. A little bit more tame, a little bit more, uh, shall we say, family friendly. So, so no sorry, Dan's, but welcome, Dan's, instead. But let's dive right back in, Aaron. I, you know, Ooh. I know you guys touched on it quite a lot, but this is a game that, sure, a two-loss UCF team, not quite the juggernaut nationally, if you will, that was the Knights from last year or the year before or the year before that. But this was still the team in the American Athletic Conference that Luke Bickle consistently said was the top, the, the cream of the crop, the the model A of a team that you want to be when it comes to winning championships and, and being a consistent winner year in and year out. And you kind of felt that leading into the game, Cincinnati was going to be able to overcome UCF. They were the better team this year. But when that first quarter started, when the – the opening drive for UCF kind of just really got going and you saw the jitters out of the Bearcats with, with the offsides penalty first called against Jabari Taylor that set up that third and short, which would have been an easy quick three and out. And then another false start earlier that ended up being the one big play that they had in the 41 yard pass. And then the run, you started to see, okay, this is actually going to be a very difficult game. It was it was certainly frightening to just UCF coming right out of the gate, swinging big and and connecting, especially on that 41 yard pass. I was nervous that it was going to be a long night. I hate that, uh, you know, some of the predictions that I had last week did come true. Um, But yeah, that that first that first drive, it certainly set the night up to uh, just ratchet everyone's anxiety levels up quite a bit. Here's the thing that I noticed out of the defensive line. So they want to be so aggressive to the point that they do easily get called off sides with hard counts. I mean, you've seen it in numerous games where, where my Jay Sanders will have a complete forward momentum and pull it back real quick or, or do a quick jump and have to do a little, little ring around the Rosie and bring himself back to the line. This is a, a team that wants to be aggressive and a defense that you can really draw off sides. And you kind of started to see that in the beginning of the game, you saw that that was something that UCF wanted to exploit and on that first first drive, you really saw some 
some difficulties, and that led to the easy pitch and catch when you have a free play. You can take those deep shots, and right. they, they did it periodically throughout the game. The Greg McRae touchdown put them up 7 nothing in a blink of an eye. And then the offense goes back on for Cincinnati. And Aaron, up to this point, the last four weeks have just it, – it's felt like it was Candyland, you know. It's, it's, it's like we finally made it to the land of Oz and the Wizard of Oz, and, and, and we figured out what it takes to have the, the big-time up-and-down field, the wonderful play of Desmond Ritter. And in the first two plays, Ritter finds Leonard Taylor for 18 yards, Jayshon Jackson for 14 yards. And then the running game just could not get going, stalwarted. And Cole Smith comes out, which we're going to talk about a little bit later here, and nails that 47-yard field goal. I think it was good with that 47-yard field goal, but the lack of a run game kind of showed a little bit of a tendency to be a little bit more nervous about this offense against the defense of UCF that has been kind of gashed throughout the year. Well, and you talk about them being gashed. Not only have they been gashed by the numbers – but they've also been gashed by how many players they've had available. How many starters have they lost between uh, different things with COVID or right. the, the, uh, the recent arrest? Um, the, yep. I, I think they've lost somewhere around like 14 players or something like that um, yep. over the course of the entire right, season, yeah. um, yep. plus injuries and what have you. So, I mean, they came out firing on all cylinders in a defense that, quite honestly, if that defense for UCF had been – apparent uh the entire game we'd be having an entire different conversation um also if that defense had been there the entire season for UCF again this this game may have been completely different as far as how much it meant with the with the win speaking of you know being there and and whatnot the second offensive series you saw that first three and out kind of a kind of a constant trend in the first half was how good the defense actually played but the numbers didn't really show it for Cincinnati because you you get the three and out and then all and that's even with another offsides penalty that they were able to draw against well, this defensive line yeah and I wanted to stop you there because you were at the game which yes. we haven't even brought up yet oh we'll, we'll get there we'll how, get th- how loud was it there because to see that many offside jumps I know they were thrown off by the delayed clap or, or right. the delayed hike after the clap, yes. um, which clearly threw us off where we could not have the eye-to-hand coordination going on at all with that clap yes. and the delay. But how loud was it there with roughly 25% capacity? Aaron, I am not going to lie to you. It was loud. It was very loud. I don't yeah. know if it's if it's the added crowd noise pumped in through the speakers or or whether it's kind of just the vibrations that – a smaller amount of fans, but still like kind of, you know, if you, if you get a lot of people into one, one place, your claps and your stomps, if you aren't right. synchronizing them, they aren't quite as loud, but if you are all by yourself and you're doing it, it it's pretty loud, but now, that place if, was rocking. I was just going to say, I had a conversation with DJ E-Train earlier this week yeah. and what he was telling me is Paul Brown stadium. When he DJs there, they're yeah. not allowed to go above 70 to 75 decibels. Uh-huh with Nippert he's allowed way more freedom in how loud he can go and he pretty much right. pushes the envelope and he'll, until he's told yo that's enough tone it down uh, or something like that and he said he prides himself on being able to try and be the disruption in the um, like cadences or try to be yeah. the disruption in the audibles or try to be a disruption in even getting the offensive plays called in so I wouldn't be surprised at all if that's happening you know completely conference wide if not you know just college football all over so, so get this. So they, so pre-snap when when 
says in the offense was on the field, what what they would do is on the screen, on the Jumbotron, they would have a UCF player. And he would just be saying, come on, fans, get on your feet. Let's go. And and literally right up until the snap, they had that playing. And they would also have the Jumbotron shaking. I, I don't know if any players look at the Jumbotron or if that's used by anyone really, but they would play that noise right up until the snap. And Unreal. my parents and my sister were at the game, and they they actually said that it was extremely annoying. <laughs> it was extremely obvious that they were trying to probably mess with, with the offense and the cadence, like you said. And it, it's strange because going to the Cincinnati games, they don't do the same thing. They, they do their normal, you know, on third downs, they play that that same bum, 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 annoying bum, 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 bum. music that, that Chad hates, but I kind of like a little, 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 little bump bumping. You kind of dance to it in the press box, but it did seem like UCF was using this added crowd noise to their advantage, and my, my family said they constantly stomp on the stands, and it does make the place still shake a, a tiny bit, and they said that it is the most annoying thing that they have experienced at a sporting event. And they've been to quite a lot throughout <laughs> their lives. So uh, the the atmosphere there, and I, I actually was going to come out of my shell and ask Coach Fickle yesterday in the press conference. I, I didn't get a chance to because it was obviously a press conference that everyone wanted to get a question in at. But I wanted to ask him what it was like and how the team kind of reacted to the crowd noise and, and, and to the crowd. Because this is the first game, really. I mean, SMU kind of had fans. But – this was the first game that it kind of seemed like it had a true effect on the game. Well, and, one, and, one thing I can tell you is uh, one of my friends is he graduated from UCF. Um, yeah. And I had a conversation with him after the game and he got information that there was uh, at least one fan removed from the game at around halftime uh, for taunting the bench uh, yeah. for Cincinnati, which it wouldn't surprise me if there was more than just one. Uh, but it, I do have at least one confirmed uh, that was yeah. removed from the game because of taunting the bench. I mean, think about it you are bottled up in this, you know, quarantine situation that the entire country went through and you have this limited access to a, a sporting event, which is a place where you prep yourself for not only the day, the, the day of, but the days leading up to it, you, you plan a pregame, you plan a tailgate, you plan what you're going to do afterwards, all that. And you are finally able to explode at this one event that you're allowed to go to. And I mean, I, I would be crazy if I was a fan in the stands with no affiliation or no, uh, you know, right. duties to behold afterwards. I mean, I would be loud. I would be <laughs> trying to make up for the 75% that wasn't there. But Aaron, I can, I can confirm to you, it was very loud, especially after the Ryan Montgomery drop of the punt. It, the, the place just went to a whole new level. It was, it was so loud. And, you know, it, that was a, obviously a, a tough play because the the block in the back leading to the sliding into the to the catch radius. And Which, again, I, I know I brought it up last night in the, the after dark, but I thought there was a halo rule where yeah, there is there is. I see. I think that it was a I think they called the, the penalty on the guy that slid into Montgomery. Just the whole the way that entire play transpired, I've never seen anything like it. And if you are indeed allowed, I was going to say, if you are indeed allowed to slide into the halo or 
to right. control somebody off that way, then that should be the way that everyone's doing a fair catch. Like just go right. slide right around where everything's transpiring. Exactly. It, and it's weird because I couldn't see. And of course I was in, I was in the press box for, right. for the UCF, you know, media. And they kind of all immediately were like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's good. He was, he was pushed into him. That's yeah. That's, that's Cincinnati. That's, that's a muff. That's definitely our ball. So I didn't really get a fair viewing of it. And I couldn't really tell on the screen either, but I mean, either way, it, it didn't look like maybe he didn't touch him, but just the presence there. He didn't kinda, touch him. I can tell you that even watching the replay, him on the he, he yeah. did not. No, he did not. Oh, he did not. Did not, did yeah. not touch him. No, but, but just that general, like knowing that he's sliding towards your legs. I think anyone's innate reaction is going to be, okay, I, I need to do something to not let him completely take me out. It's and instinct. So, yeah. Yeah, he, he kind of just lost track of it, which which Ryan Montgomery, I, I want to talk about him because obviously he had that second muff, but he has just been steady at it. He's not going to burn you with his speed. He's not going to be one one guy that has one crease and takes it the distance. He's someone that you rely on to catch the ball and then maybe make a couple men miss and pick up, you know, seven to, to 15 yards and feel happy about it. So this game was kind of interesting, but it was adversity that, that a lot of the team thinks that they needed to face. And, of course, the shortened field, then the touchdown, the, the pass to Marlon Williams. Well, and you, what I saw on that not play – That's not even mentioning the face mask penalty. So, again, yeah, we're shooting ourselves right. in the foot on another drive that – Exactly. We, we could have just avoided some of these things. I, and, and, you know, here's, here's the thing that I saw on that touchdown was that it was kind of seemed to me – that there was an obvious miscommunication on the pick route. And yep. James Wiggins, and I believe it was Kobe Bryant on that side, were very frustrated with each other. Or it might have been Arquan Bush. I, but but Wiggins was was yelling at, at the cornerback. And it's it's that kind of, uh, is this leadership or is this, you know, frustration with each other? And, and it obviously ended up, as the game wore on, being a leadership note of just, you know, follow the game plan type thing. But that next offensive series, Aaron, going back to what we were talking about with how loud the, the bounce house was mm-hmm. with the Michael young run, that little, you know, reverse attempt. I hated the play. call. Well, I, I, before we get into this, I do yeah. want to bring up a point on that, on that touchdown. Yes. I don't know if you could see it from the box, but you actually saw a referee rather than throwing a flag <laughs> on the celebration after the touchdown, right. you saw a referee hug with both arms a UCF, the, the uh, Marlon Williams, and pull him away from taunting. Really? Yeah, I don't – and it was on It was on the TV. It was on the telecast. Like, they showed it. And how do you it, – it just – again, the way that the game wore on, it's very – what kind of precedent are you trying to establish as the referee crew at that point in time? Because it's – to me, that's showing that we're going to let things slide. Yeah. And then you don't do that unless it's in central Florida's favor. And I don't like to be blamed the ref guy, but the refs made some very wacky calls against Cincinnati all night. And that to me was just a non whistle on something that you could have established a precedent early on that we're not going to put up with any, any BS from the players. And it just, it was a very strange tone to set for the game. I I mean, I think we can all agree that the, uh, the referees were a bunch of donuts out there all game yesterday. Um, to say it lightly, uh, to 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 quote my my good friend Gordon Ramsay, the uh, the fantastic cook, cooks me special meals meals from here and there. He calls people that uh, don't really know what they're doing at times, 
and sometimes make stupid decisions. Donuts. So maybe a donut. Sandwiches. <laughs> sandwiches. Come on. But that kind of also was, was a chance for the offense. Like we said earlier, an offense normally replies and responds to these kind of moves with, with a big response themselves. They weren't able to do anything. There was no response at all. A sack of Desmond Ritter. They have to punt away. But then after that, it kind of ended, ended up being a complete just back and forth of nothing going. Three and outs left and right uh, on both sides. But in the mix was a, game, was a play that you guys mentioned last night and also Chad reiterated in his bites, which was the, the second muff by Ryan Montgomery that was recovered by Justin Harris, which was a very heads-up play being there with the ability to hop on it and, and wrestle away the UCF defenders because that could, could could have completely just kind of not really put the game away, but put it almost insurmountable to come back if they were to score from a 21 to three deficit. And the thing that surprises me that, you know, all turnovers are reviewed. Um, so thank goodness this wasn't a turnover. Um, yeah. Cause, cause if if this had been reviewed and I'm sure UCF probably could have reviewed it. Right. I, I feel like it would have gone in their favor because they did have possession before right. you know, we, we ripped it away from his hands while both players were on the ground. So yep. this in hindsight, kind of looking back at that play in particular, I'm shocked that it went our way and not the other way. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously I'm happy I did because it may have been an insurmountable 21, three deficit had it not right. gone our way. Um, but again, that just kind of shows leadership and, and, you know, not giving up on a play until even after the whistle, um, as we would find out about some inadvertent whistles later on. But uh, um, I don't know. It, it just, right. It's a very good thing that this, uh, this particular play did end up in the Bearcats' possession. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, it, it also was a situation where you had the ability then to kind of not really gain momentum from it but see, hey, we're, we're going to fight and, and we're going to put up something against this team that's giving us their absolute best shot right out of the gates. And then you saw a splash from Curtis Brooks with, with back-to-back tackles, first a sack, and then a tackle on the next drive. And, and you know, there's not really much going on offensively for the rest of, rest of the first quarter until we got to the second. And well, one thing was only 25 total yards for the Bearcats in that first quarter negative 11 rushing yards and Aaron that could be like okay well they must have done that in like you know two possibly three drives no they had the ball not once not twice not three times not four times they had I believe it was four or five possessions in that first quarter could absolutely get nothing going it was a messy first quarter to say the least right um you know, one of the things that concerned me as I was watching is the burned timeout with yeah. 231 left in the first first quarter. Right. I was I was really nervous. Like, what are we doing here? We can't get the run game going. The yeah. offense is sputtering right now. We're right. not we're not hitting on special teams <laughs> at all. No. Where you know defense was struggling, offense was we we literally were not hitting anywhere on any side of the ball whatsoever. And then to have a timeout burned, I was really nervous going into that second quarter. And there was nothing that the team had done at that point for me to feel confident about any part of uh, this team. No. And, and it, then you kind of saw in the second, second quarter though, where, you know, UCF had a bunch of plays 
it was eight total plays. They only gained eight, 30 yards, and they, they had to punt the ball away. This time it was caught by Ryan Montgomery. And then we finally started to see a little taste of what we kind of have mentioned throughout the BBP and, and what Chad has mentioned as well is the fact that this Cincinnati team has the ability to kind of flip a switch when they need to. And, you know, down 14 to three in the second quarter, it kind of looked like the offense finally started to figure it out. They finally started to figure out the, the protections they needed to make on offense. They started to figure out the passing lanes that were available and, and different things of that sort. And you saw a nice five play 73 yard drive, which taking a little bit out of the UCF playbook only ate up one minute and 22 seconds. There were two big penalties in that drive. One was a roughing the passer that picked up a first down on a third down. And then another one was a pass interference over the middle for a, a pass intended for Lenny Taylor, but still, it was it was Desmond Ritter finding Jared Dokes and then a, a drop pass by Lenny, but right. he was able to bring himself back later in the day. But then Des found Josh Wiley on a drag route, and Josh Wiley just simply showed the nation why he is going to be an NFL player. It was a beautiful twenty nine yard catch and run. Um, you know, if we don't score there, you know, I'm I'm nervous about what they're going to do the rest of the game. To be completely right. honest. So that was huge to bring us back within four at that point in time. And uh, that that touchdown was exactly what the doctor ordered. Yes, it really was. And then you see the, the next drive, it's, it's kind of UCF with, with a response. How are you going to be able to contain the Knights with their backs now up against the wall with, with a high powered team like Cincinnati responding and they're able to make some moves. They're they're able to pick a couple of first downs, and they are able to actually get into Cincinnati territory to the 23-yard line. Where I was speaking to some of the UCF media members up in the box, and they're saying, "Hey, I mean, even though we're we're right here at the you know the inside of the 30, our kicker is so bad, he is terrible, and we don't feel comfortable sending him out there to attempt this field goal." I mean, you saw it in the game against Memphis earlier in the year when, when UCF lost on a missed last-second field goal. That was kind of a chip shot. So they didn't feel comfortable, and they instead had Dylan Gabriel out there who tried to find Marlon Williams, who simply dropped that completion. It would have been a first down easily for UCF, but that was the first kind of gift wrap for the Bearcats, and then they were able to reply with a big drive again that, that they took all the way down the field. This time Jared Dokes got involved. This time you saw a big Trey Tucker completion. And then the, the biggest play of the drive that I enjoyed, though, was really the ability for the team to make it all the way down, including that deep pass to Jordan Jones. That kind of just set them up inside of the 20-yard of the line. They were able to kind of move it forward, but settle for another Cole Smith field goal, this time from 26 out. And it was getting a little frustrating uh, to see, you know, and we would see um, Cole Smith doing his job but just yes. some of the red zone struggles that we would have uh, in the game in general. Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, the first of the, really the, the frustration beginning to set in. So right. you hate to see him settle for three. You would obviously love to get that seven every single time you're in the red zone, but, yeah. you know, happy that we have a kicker who gets the job done when his number's called. I think in this situation, it's just having the ability to pick up those chunk gains, the, the 22 yard pass to Trey Tucker, the, 34-yard completion to Jordan Jones, even though he stumbled and fell down. It was still, you know, one of those plays where Dez saw the wide-open opportunity and he 
completed a deep ball, which would have maybe been overthrown in the beginning of the year. and said this one right on the money. Jones kind of lost his footing, but still it, it was the, that, that kind of gave a little bit more momentum for the defense. And my favorite play came for the defense other than the, the interception was this Darian Beaver's sack on a third and nine where he just came up. Dylan Gabriel was leaking out of the pocket over to the left side and Darian Beavers came up and just, just walloped him. I just absolutely demolished him on a sack on the outside, forcing another punt. And that's when Cincinnati wasted absolutely no time. There was, there was not much time on the clock, about two minutes left in the first half. They scored in 43 seconds on five plays. Desmond Ritter, just fantastic on that drive. You're talking Alec Pierce. Yes. And then Josh Wiley, again, that could have been that touchdown. But the lights go out, inadvertent whistle, the donuts of officials. But I digress. He instead just finds a quick hitter to Jared Dokes and rushes it in himself. I mean, that That had nothing to do with the lights going out. No, it it was just a horrible call. The ref was right there within about five or ten feet. He anticipated Josh going out of bounds. Which he didn't because he has excellent body control. The, the lights going out were just another added dramatic effect there. Yeah, I just want to, I just want to, you know, to the listeners express that. Yes. That had nothing because the TV, what, what you didn't hear is the TV crew played up the lights going out a lot. Oh, did that they? That had nothing to do with the lights going out. That was 100%. He anticipated that there was no way Josh Wiley was going to stay in bounds. And Josh Wiley just shook the dude and took off. That should be reviewable because there's no right. way after he broke that tackle that he wasn't going into the end zone. Hater. Did did the broadcast catch an inadvertent whistle? Yes. Yeah. And and, and you could tell the, the UC stopped. sidelines the play like the UC sidelines heard it. Right. And they they um, even commented that they hoped like you could tell that the sidelines were hoping that you know it wasn't something that they talked about or you know right. maybe somebody missed the inadvertent whistle. Yeah. Because no. in the box, it, it just looked like the play went on like nothing. Like, everyone thought it was a touchdown immediately. And so, I mean, I was interested to see because the lights going out was very obvious at the at the stadium. And, of it course, was, there were terrible dad jokes about, oh, I guess they didn't pay the bill this month. <laughs> <laughs> terrible, terrible yeah. dad jokes. Dad, did you kind of like that one, though? <laughs> no. No, I I mean, I make a lot of dad jokes. That one, the other thing I will say that Jordan Jones route that you just hit on, I just got, I've been, I've been busy. Um, I have not heard the first 30 minutes, 27 minutes to this podcast. Um, the, the Jordan Jones route was very similar to the Trey Tucker route that got wide open. What I love, what we're seeing from Denbrock is they're finding stuff that works. They're finding stuff that Des is comfortable with. And then they're working it into different formations. They're working it into different sets, different looks, and they're giving stuff that Des is comfortable doing to make the offense more effective. That's, I mean, that's all you want from your offensive coordinator, right? Scheme to what your quarterback is good at. Yes. And that's a route Des is comfortable with. So now they ran it with Jordan Jones this time. I mean, that. that, And I like the trip set up as well. and, And those are three dynamic players on the outside too i mean you're talking to michael young trey tucker and jordan jones all bunched together good luck i mean that's a that is which by the way just shouts how amazing the the 
complete Overhaul. tear down and rebuild of the wide receiver room has been. It's yeah. it's simply fantastic. You, you shouldn't be able to do what they've done in one offseason to one position group, especially a position group that has as many guys in it as the wide receiver room. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it, and the fact that they not only brought in big-name recruits, high-level, high-promise recruits, but they brought in some players that were ready to prove that they are very good at the tail end of their college careers in Michael Young and Jordan Jones. And, and I, and I will leave you with, I leave, I'll leave you with this here for the time being. Yes. The good news is all of that is only getting better week right. by week. Right. Like exactly. that's the fun part of it. You can see the progression. It's the a, progression it's very, from yeah, week to obvious. week. Mm-hmm. Teams are now starting to realize, look, we got to pay attention to their wide receivers. The tight ends get open. And tight ends, correct. Well, yep. and, well, and now, yeah, we'll see an overcorrection next week yeah. or against Tulsa where teams know we got to do everything. Like, you actually might, with the tight ends, have an avenue to try to neutralize Zayvon Collins. Think about it, though. Think about it. What did Maybe. Michael Young say after the Army game, after yeah. some, some overthrows? Yeah, After we'll, some, we'll some non cohesion, he said, just I, wait. He said, wait until we click. Yeah, just wait for it. It's happening. All right. Yeah. Go ahead, boys. Do your thing. It's happening. Thanks, but, thanks. But, you know, Aaron, that, that drive just showed the quick hitting ability that, that the Cincinnati team has. It was fantastic. But then to end the first half, you saw the quick hitting ability that UCF has. And they replied with their good field goal heading into the locker rooms. But, Kind of heading into locker rooms as well. You kind of felt like the big the big mo was really swung in Cincinnati's direction. I mean, and they had opportunities where that momentum potentially could have gone the other way, like with the touchdown that was called back on the inadvertent whistle, or the missed two point conversion that we did not complete, or the offensive pass interference that instead was called defensive pass interference because that was also a really terrible call on Kobe Bryant. I mean, yep. he was playing on the ball, and somehow, some way, that became his head was swiveled. He did everything that you're supposed to do, and yeah. somehow that became a call on us. So again, you know, these are th- situations that could have swung momentum the other way, but these guys did not give up. Not being down 14-3, not being down, you know, in against the refs. You know, they had their backs against the wall pretty much the entire first half, and we walk out of the first half. You know, just it's 1917. We're up. And, and the crazy thing is Cincinnati in that second quarter, after only 25 total yards in the first, 184 yards in the second quarter of offense, they only faced two third downs in the entire second quarter. And, and that's three drives all ending in scores. And they, they were one for two on those third downs. The one was ended up being a field goal, so no harm. But still, that's, that's just a phenomenal way to just flip from being completely owned in the first quarter to finding your groove and really picking it up in the second quarter, which was just fantastic to see. If you're going to be a top 10 team in the nation, this is the way that you do it. You can't, you can't give up and you can't play literally can't play scared. And at no point in time, I was scared as a fan watching, but at no point in time did the Bearcats ever give up at no point in time. Did they ever play scared? And, and so now the night scored 1917 and in the back of my mind, all I kept telling myself was they get the ball in the third quarter. They have momentum. Correct. And then all of a sudden they pick up two penalties 
one on the kickoff return, yep. one with a false start on the very first play, pushed themselves all the way back to their own three-yard line, and then put together another one of those patented extra long, fall asleep a little bit during the middle. Wait, is this still the same drive that opened the second half? 18, pardon me, 16 plays, 87 yards, 8, 831 off the clock. I, like these are just simply masterful drives. But the only bad part of it, Aaron, that I really was nervous about was that it ended in a field goal. Well, and, you know, I touched on that earlier, and this was, again, just another opportunity in the red zone where we could not capitalize. Yeah. You know, you saw opportunity for Dokes to potentially score on this drive where he literally just gets tackled by the last guy in the way. Otherwise, he's breaking free for six on that drive. Um, you know, there were some some missed there, – there were some drop balls uh, that, that yep. kind, of, kind of became a little bit of an Achilles heel in the game. Um, especially when they were, you know, drop balls for either a first down or mm-hmm. a drop ball for a touchdown. Um, Cause right. we did run into that, you know, quite a few times throughout this game, but again, this is a team that did not give up. And, you know, it, it was also, you saw one of those third down and eights on the 21 yard line, Desmond Ritter, not finding anything available is able to step up into the pocket and scramble for that 20 yard game where he get got t- taken down at the one yard line that wasn't available in the first half. He wasn't able to find those lanes, but the offensive line was able to pick up what they were supposed to do. They did a great job protecting on that play. And then Desmond Ritter just did what he's been doing for the past month and a half and just did a fantastic job breaking free, but they settled for a field goal, leaving the door open for the Knights to come back and reply with a drive themselves. And I tell you what, Aaron, they looked really really good on that drive and Marlon Williams looked like an NFL wide out on that drive as well. He even got injured on this drive. He, yeah. had, to leave the, he had to leave the field cause he was injured and he still came back with an yep. incredible grab and, and scored 19 yard touchdown broke through Arquan Bush arm tackle met Derek Forrest at the goal line ran into the end zone for the score. And then on that lucky two-point conversion that was could have been a pick two for the Bearcats. They, they, they should have, have taken it, that to the distance. You also could have called uh, forward progression on that call. Yes. But, but apparently we don't call that on UCF. I, but, which, which James Wiggins was being blocked by three players, and he still had a hold of Marlon Williams. For what seemed like two, three seconds, and then Marlon Williams, second, third, fourth effort, finally gets across the goal line for the two-point conversion. And now, all of a sudden, Aaron, this team is in a situation they've never been in for the entire season. I mean, you're talking down. Down in the second 25, half. 22 heading into the fourth quarter. You just punt the ball away. You're giving the ball back to an offense that had just scored to take the lead in front of a ruckus, a, a, a crazy, I hate to say ruckus because that's us, that's of ours, but, but a crazy bounce house that was reinvigorated and ready to bring home a giant win for them in a tough season. And then you see exactly what this team is special, a, a special play on, on a tip pass from James Wiggins intercepted by Derek Forrest and all was well in Bearcat land again after that. I mean, the fourth quarter was wild from yes. start to finish. It was right. it. You got your money's worth in the fourth <laughs> quarter for this. You really game. Did. 
and it started with that Derek Forrest interception because without that Derek Forrest interception, this game may go a completely different direction. Right. Right. Um, so I, I don't know. I was, I was thrilled. I was screaming at my TV at that point. I probably <laughs> had uh, I don't know, four or five adult beverages in Good me. For you. So uh, yeah, yeah, things got a little, little wild here too. <laughs> but here's the thing. So last week against ECU on senior night, you saw Kobe Bryant and James Wiggins come away with interceptions for the defense. The third senior of the no-fly zone, Derek Forrest, he knew in the back of his head he was going to get one against UCF. He saved it for the big show, and he was able to come through. A huge play for the defense. And then that screen pass to Jared Dokes on a third and eight. People don't really talk about that screen pass too much because it's more about how they called him down at the half-yard line instead of Dokes crossing the goal line. Which was a horrible call, man. Terrible. Terrible. And, and unreviewable. Takes away the human the aspect of, of football. You know? It was a mess. But, but either way, I you're talking about a third and eight where UCF could pin their ears back, hopefully stop the Bearcats, and then all of a sudden Cincinnati has to settle for a field goal, which would have only tied the game at 25. And instead, they go with a beautifully drawn screen pass. Dokes fires it through. Dez finishes on the one-yard push over to the end zone and then it, it just kind of seemed like okay the Bearcats have this one because the defense came back up stepped again Darian Beavers man Darian Beavers Aaron all over the place I mean this this is a guy that was the best player on a very poopy UConn team that's not the word I would use I you know we we said we were going to keep this one I get it I get it but Darian Beavers is just starting to develop and, and play like we've heard Marcus Freeman mentioned, how how Jarrell White was a little cautious his first couple seasons because he wanted to be so analytical. He wanted to be able to, to, to make the right decisions instead of just going out there without thinking and making the right plays. Darian Beavers is now playing without thinking about making the wrong play. He's been able to really step his game up, 12 tackles, you know, four tackles for loss, one and a half sacks. I, I mean, we're looking at Beavers really start to break through and be a giant piece of this defense and this team. And hopefully he might even be back for one more year. Yeah. You know, it makes me wonder what his progression would have been like under this staff for the entire four years of his yeah. career, as opposed to right. just one, instead of, you know, making the horrible decision why anyone would make a decision to go play for UConn is beyond me, uh, at least yeah. in football. But uh <laughs> You know, it, it just it's, it's really good to see the kid kind of coming into his own and, you know, just making big plays all night long. Extremely impressive. And then that that final drive for the Bearcats to add that additional touchdown, the, they went to the bread and butter play. And, and I said this numerous times. I tweeted bread and butter. And it's just that RPO with the tight end in front. And we've seen that really work for Dez running and, and picking up big yardage and touchdowns throughout the last four weeks. Now UCF tried to completely negate that. And that's what brought to the rise of our good friend, Leonard Taylor. Lenny showed out on that final drive, three receptions, 34 yards, including a seven yard touchdown to kind of put the exclamation point on the game. But Lenny is now developing into what Josh Wiley has been this entire season because we've, we've gushed about the talent that Lenny Taylor has. But now you're starting to see it on full display. 
and especially after a drop that he had earlier in the game, right. able to kind of just just revitalize himself. And I, it was awesome to see Lenny have that. He had the most targets on the team, the most catches on the team, got into the end zone. Uh, it looks like the all these de- the upcoming defenses have a new player they really have to scheme for. I've been talking with you about it uh, for the last few weeks um, yep. that we needed to involve the tight ends more, you know, yep. especially Wiley. And now, you know, Leonard Taylor, he's, he's flashed at times, uh, but nothing right. to really hang your hat on. Uh, but this was a career game for him without a doubt. And yep. for his development for Wiley, Wiley showed out tonight too, or, or last night as well. Yes, he did. And, you know, just between the two of them, if you're going in as a defense to prep, who are you prepping for? Because you now have a three-headed monster between Dokes and Ford, and you also have the receiving core that has shown out game in and game out. And mm-hmm. now all of a sudden the tight ends are like, uh, we want in on the party too. We've been it's here fun. all year. Yep. So you know, I, I believe Ritter went to, I think, eight different receivers on the game. And right. you know he, he wasn't forcing the ball anywhere. No. And I think that's where you see him instead of in the first quarter where he looked wildly uncomfortable, just kind yep. of getting a groove through quarters two through four, where he's hitting the open man as opposed to just trying to find a first down wherever one may be. But there were seven minutes left on the clock for a scary UCF team. And they drove the length of the field for a touchdown and a two-point conversion. This is big for two reasons. First off, the spread was four and a half. Keep that in the back of your minds as we continue to talk about the rest of the game. I repeat, the spread was four and a half is what it got all the way down to. And I repeat again, four and a half, guys. And sometimes <laughs> it was at four, but it was at four and a half. But the, the big play on this drive was the donuts threw a penalty flag on Arquan Bush on a fourth and 11 on a ball that looked pretty overthrown. I couldn't really tell from the telecast or anything of that sort. Maybe Bush had his head grabbed him or, or had his armor on him a little bit, but on a fourth and 11 with a ball overthrown like that, that is just screaming. Let's let this team have one more chance. Yep. I didn't like it. I hate it. Well, and you know, I want to bring up right here that, I don't know why anybody, not ABC, not ESPN, not anybody who televises any sort of football game has a referee to go and ask what they saw on that play because 100% of the time they will never go against what the call on the field was, even if it was wrong. So I don't know what we're doing here. I don't know why we're just throwing money at people for no apparent reason. If I wanted to see what I saw on the field, then I'll just watch the game. I don't need this very, very old man coming on to the telecast to tell people what he saw, which is always going to go with what was it's, – it's like a brotherhood where they will not go against what the call was on the field. And, and another one that I noticed that was pretty blatantly obvious was on the previous offensive drive. Jared Dokes, a two-yard rush on a third and three at the UCF 28. I saw one official run straight where it would have been a first down. The other official running one yard behind, yeah. which, which would have been a fourth down. And they set the ball at a fourth and one. I Luckily, Dokes picked it up, but still. I don't know why we don't have chips in the balls to automatically set where it actually ended up. Because right. we have the technology, like, let's get it correct instead of trying to do an eye test in it's 2020. Strange. It's strange. But 
that next drive, you saw the the bone crush of every better out there. But you saw some heads up smart football as well by the Bearcats as they were able to drive down first a beautiful run by Desmond Ritter where he kept it on the option. And then another one where Josh Wiley had a, had a good catch and run for 18 yards. They, they dink and they duck, they rush, rush, rush. And then Jared Dokes gets the handoff off to the left side. And he is just waltzing towards the end zone. Could have Todd Gurley himself into the end zone for a score to go up 10 which would have been 11 with an extra point. But so oh, no, I pardon me, would, would have just been 10 because they went for two. But he falls down. I want to make the controversial Go call. Ahead. I want to make the controversial call that you have believed in your defense as a top 10 defense yes. this entire season. And here, right now, you mm-hmm. just had a chance to stomp on the throat. And I know this was not met with very good – people don't agree with me here. Last night on the on the uh, on the after hours, it was not agreed with me at all. I was on a hill by myself, and I said I yeah. would die on this hill. But you punch yeah. it in. You take the points. Always take the points when you can take the points. Because who right. knows what could happen after that? Like a fumbled uh, shotgun, shotgun stat. <laughs> take the points when you have the points. Every right. time. Every time. Yeah. Especially when this is your defense. It, it shows no belief that your defense can stop. Dylan Gabriel and these Knights. Yeah, and and I've also saw kind of the the whole style point aspect of it, where yes, it was a smart play. I I don't. I, it would have been near impossible to to really come back with with a minute thirty four and no timeouts, and and score enough and score two touchdowns to win, and or a touchdown or and a field goal, goal right. to to tie. Um, so. You know, it, it seemed almost impossible for them to do that in my liking. And so, you know, you look at a 10-point win against UCF on the road, a little bit more jazz to it. But either way, 4.5 isn't covered. And the near fumble recovery on the snap, which would have been taken back to the house if this was a normal Cincinnati occurrence. And then a gift of a second. Yep, gift of a second. Luckily, the defense said, all right, you're going to do this. Well, screw you. Not going to happen. But we talked enough about this game. It has been rehash up and down. The defense showed out again. They held held UCF almost 300 yards below their season average. They, they held Dylan Gabriel to his lowest passing total of the season. They simply looked fantastic and throughout the entire game, really. The score wasn't indicative. You take away the jitter plays in the beginning of the game. Cincinnati is winning this game by two touchdowns, maybe even three. But in the end, it's a 36-33 win. Beautiful job by the Cincinnati Twitter account with another Disney-related post after the win. But, Aaron, there's a lot going on around the country. On Tuesday night, we hear about who's going to be ranked where in in, in the college football playoff poll, the first one of the year. It's going to be interesting to see as both polls have the Bearcats sitting at number seven again. Uh, Florida still ahead of them. Texas A&M still ahead of them. You've got a one-loss Clemson. Obviously, their game was a little strange this past year against Florida State, getting canceled or postponed literally an game. hour before kickoff. And that's a controversy, too, because uh, Dabo Swinney saying that they used COVID as a way to get out of the game. <laughs> 
Interesting. Very interesting. They don't want that smoke, right? I mean, that's what they say. And then you look, <laughs> I'm not even touching that. 63 <laughs> to three, Alabama over Kentucky. Kentucky is on, on the rise, man. I tell you what, they're on the rise. Come so join this Wildcat movement, Aaron. So tired of hearing that take. It's, it's trash. Ohio State and Indiana have an absolute thriller of 42 to 35. That one went all the way down to the finish. And I would have been happy if my alma mater would have pulled that one off and beaten Ohio State. But either way, this was a wake-up call to the Buckeyes, showing, first off, they can be thrown on. I mean, you're looking damn near 500 passing yards for Michael Penix Jr. of Indiana. So look out for, for Ohio State as the games continue to wear on. Let it not be lost that that was a home game for Ohio State as well. Exactly. Exactly. You know, in the beginning kind of had the looks of because a lot of my IU friends were very positive and upbeat heading into that game. And it kind of had a feeling of what us Cincinnati fans were feeling heading into that game last year where we had that that positive feeling. But still, Indiana came up short in that one. Florida didn't look great against Vanderbilt, 38-17, a game where they were only up. 10 to 7, I believe, or or maybe it was 17 7 or 13 7 at, at halftime. So they didn't look great in that one. Uh, BYU looked fantastic against North Alabama 66 14. So, so tip of the cap to BYU there. And now all of a sudden it's coming out that BYU was offered to play this weekend against Washington, which is interesting because they, they tweeted out yesterday after their game saying, anytime, no, any team. Anytime, any place was the tweet that they said. Now word comes out that Washington wants to play them, and they are ducking that one like dodgeball. Make no mistake. That tweet yesterday, I, I, I almost guarantee was aimed at Cincinnati. Yeah, right. But now you're ducking Washington? They didn't think that was an option yesterday. Right. <laughs> they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't mean it. Like no. it was, it was calculated. I saw something else popped up, and they were like, "Ah, uh, no, I see." We we had what what had happened was <laughs> we were like we we were waiting. We wait till Tuesday, man. Wait, wait till Tuesday. Yeah, that that they. I said it last night. I'll say it again. I still think a Cincinnati BYU matchup is everything to lose, nothing to gain. I think I there are things to gain. I've, I've taken the side of Cincinnati because, and, and yes, it has a lot to do with that with that Tuesday reveal. If, if Tuesday comes and Cincinnati's sitting at number eight, and it doesn't look that they can like they can really rise much at all, then I don't think you really think about it too much. If after this week they're sitting at five or six or even seven, but close number-wise, you got to start to think, okay, well, what if we do do this game and we do win a game against a top-ten opponent? Does that sway some of the voters? I, you know, I, I don't think that, yes, I get the whole stance of, of you want to win a championship. If, what if, you know, Dez goes down with an injury or, or a key defensive player goes down with an injury and – they aren't able to play against Tulsa or in the AAC championship game. Sure. I get that, but that could have happened last night against UCF. That could happen this weekend against Temple. I, I mean, you're, you're taking chances every time you step on the field that can happen in practice. We've seen that in practice all the time. So 
I, I don't get that stance. I, I think it's more of a, if you're there and you need more oomph, you need more style points, the most style points would be going up against a media darling, which a lot of these people making the decisions in the college football playoff poll are media people and, and people that are in the administrations and, and kind of look at, can get swayed one way or the other, whether it be analytics or whether it be kind of just hearing what they're hearing from other people. I, you know, a game and a win against BYU could go a long way. We are getting zero respect is not shown anywhere else better than by the ESPN FPI, which up until kickoff still remained at about 58% in UCF's favor over Cincinnati in a year that they've lost twice now right. three now three times, yep. and they have had a porous defense, which we saw after they got their gadget plays and tricks, and you know they, they pretty much let out their whole bag in the first quarter right. on both sides of the ball. Um, and you know we saw Cincinnati win well in Orlando. Yep. And so you, know, you, you have the UCF Knights were favored in that game, right. and Cincinnati walks with that win. Again, it should have been 10 instead of taking the three, but that's my opinion. Okay. Uh, but, you know, I, I get what you're saying as far as, you know, if you're eight instead of – They know. wanted it to be 10, by the way. Yeah, they wanted to score. You could tell that. They got stuffed. The only thing they didn't want to do was to score with 150 left. We talked about this last night. I know. They I wanted to score we with about it last 45. With but they struggled in the red zone all night. What made you think that this trip was going to be any different? Okay, great. Well, they ran the clock down to one second. I get it. You still could have no, had. You don't. Yes, I do. <laughs> Look, the intention was to snap that ball, hand it off to Dokes, and have him score with two seconds left. The intention was to score Dokes several times in the red zone all night, and they okay, great. But uh, so if he takes the handoff and runs into the line of scrimmage, the clock runs out. The only reason it stopped was because Renfro lost his mind for the first time in five games. We argued about this last night. I'm not going to argue about it with yeah. Guy. We're we're going to cut it the off there. And I'm, and the I'm point give was a... the intention was to score. It just wasn't to give UCF the most potent explosive offense in the country the ball yeah. with a minute. 50 to go. They can score right. in 14 seconds. Yep. An argument. And we saw two drives. They did score in the blink of an eye. Yep. Uh, but, but hey, a quick shout out to Jake Renfro. And his, a, a quick shout out to Jake Renfro and his family. They, uh, his parents sat right next to my parents and uh, for the second half and they were fantastic people. Coach Renfro is a great follow on Twitter and, and, and also just a great person to interact with and the 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 trajectory of young Jake Renfro is through the roof, and that tweet of his block on the screen pass is awesome to watch, and it is fun, and I've watched it probably more than I've watched highlights of the entire game. So, tip tip of the cap to the Renfros, a great family, and uh, hopefully a the start of a fantastic career for him. But Aaron, back to what we were talking about, the the country is kind of figured out. The Notre Dame game this weekend is obviously going to be a big one at North Carolina. If North Carolina can somehow pull pull off a win in that one, then things get very, very interesting at the top. Yep. Alabama has its toughest game against Auburn, who's 22nd in the nation, but not very good. So that one's an interesting one as well. Because after that, it's just until you get to these 
championship games, the the divisional, the, the conference championship games is where things will really get decided. And also a, a big shout out to Tulsa coming away with that Hail Mary reception. Unbelievable. That against Tulane with their third string quarterback. I, I mean, that is that in double like overtime game. And yeah, insane game. So so that was a big thing for the AAC, but a huge thing for the Bearcats now because Tulsa continues to stay ranked. They have Houston, which hopefully will be a win this weekend, and then it'll be ranked going into play the Bearcats. But you know, it seems like this weekend is just take care of Temple and hope that some other things happen throughout the country. Hot take. Tulsa's third-string quarterback is better than their first and second-string quarterback. <laughs> Zach Smith is good. He's good. Chad, Chad's looking for the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he is. The, well, the, well, the funniest the, thing about that kid, Tulsa the game – The Blink kid made more plays. The Blink kid made more plays than he Zach did Smith. Make, he did make a lot of plays. But 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 Zach Smith has been really good all year. But here's, here's the hey. thing. He has. Serviceable. That Central Florida game was, was the defense Look, man, of Zach if, if Zach Smith was playing the way he has played this year as the quarterback of Cincinnati, there would be 14 threads on the Bearcat Journal message board looking to fire that kid into the ben sun. And Bryant would be starting then. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Zayvon Collins is, the, is that entire team. Yeah. I mean, that, that pick six, James I, I, Wiggins – I'd vote for him in the Heisman. Yeah. I wouldn't I mean, vote him number one. Woof. I wouldn't vote place, him number one. Back to back closing. I mean, he, he shut down the SMU game, has a pick six to, to walk off in a win that you guys should have lost against Tulane. I mean, what were the other uh, huge game against UCF? He's a stud. He is six foot five. 250, 60 pounds, and he ran away from the Tulsa defense on that pick six like he was James Wiggins. Former quarterback. <laughs> I, I mean, you're that talking. Kid, look, I said it last night. We're at a point, I think, offensive and defensive player in the year, player of the year in the American Conference is pretty much wrapped up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I yeah, I heard that. Zayvon, and I agree. Dez Dez locked it up this past weekend. I, I you, can't, you can't he's gotta he's gotta do this the next two weeks. Cause there's a lot of good quarterbacks in this league. There are. Yeah. But he's, he's gotta do it the next two weeks. But if he does it the next two weeks, he's the offensive MVP in the in the American. Zayvon yeah. Collins is Zayvon Collins is the number one rated defender in the country on PFL. I mean, that's a no doubter. Yeah. He's it's a no doubter. Un- Believable. I, I've watched way too much Tulsa football this year. And every time I watch, I go, that dude is Brian Wright, like on all of the steroids. I, I mean, he's, he's everything that, that Brian Wright did here, and then a hundred times more. Some, he's unbelievable. some NFL team is going to be very happy to have Zayvon Collins added to their defense. I draft him in the top 10. He's if really I was good. An, an NFL guy. He is really, He's six, really five, good. 260 pounds. And he moves like a locomotive. He, 
He is a stud. So is he? Is he? Would you compare him to like Khalil Mack coming out of Buffalo, where just for a team that should not have this caliber of a player, just doing outstanding? Yeah. Things? Yeah. 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 I would. <laughs> yeah. He's unstoppable. And he's like, I, that's the only thing. That's the only thing I'm I'm overly concerned with on Tulsa. Right. I, I, I don't think their offense can do anything against this defense. No. But they have a dude that is is unlike anybody else you watch in college football right now. That kid is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Really he, got, he got him nationally ranked. Good for him. <laughs> Number one defender in the cut. Like, and, and I said this on the, the 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 thing last night. Normally, like those analytics don't grade out the guys that look like Zayvon Collins looks, right? Right. Like it, it's somebody you haven't heard of, or yep. uh, somebody you know that 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 does things like Elijah Ponder. If you go look at Elijah Ponder's numbers, you're not thinking that's the number one edge defender in the country. Right. When I watch Zayvon Collins, I think I haven't seen anybody like this kid in college football all year. I mean, I'm sure we'll get to more of that as we'll have, you know, two weeks uh, to break down Tulsa upcoming. But give me that dude on my team. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, I completely agree. And I think he's going to be, he's going to be the toughest one to scheme for, as you mentioned, which will be in three weeks, which Hopefully, who knows what could happen. Hopefully, we're going to get a lot of movement, a lot of just changing of the tide in the top seven. Because right now, Aaron is looking pretty set the way that it is. I mean, you look at some of Bearcats' best bets coming up, and I want to be able to just sit here and hammer North Carolina money line when it's sitting at Notre Dame minus four this weekend. But I don't know, man. It is just simply difficult when just looking at it and breaking everything down. Well, the good news is because you live in Indiana, you pretty much have until kickoff that you can place your bets right on your phone. Yep. Um, that said, though, I don't know, man. I mean, that's a that's a tricky game. Yep. And if I'm – I don't – ugh. Obviously, I mean, I don't know that I could bet with my my head versus my heart because, of course, I want North Carolina to upset without having – it would not affect – them winning would not affect us uh, as opposed to Notre Dame losing, which would affect us. Right. Um, four and a half, though, uh, of course, you know, I'm, I mean, if Notre Dame wins, I think it's going to be over a touchdown, but I don't think they, they squeak by with three points on this one. Um, I, I think I would not confidently bet North Carolina. Okay. Just for, if, if it pays off, it pays off. Right. Right. But, That's uh, a good point. What's uh, what's what are you seeing Cincinnati sitting at? I, I saw it at thirty. Currently, it's sitting at uh, thirty-five and a half. Thirty-five. Whoa. Oof. Uh, uh, I don't know. I'm that we staying win. away. I was <laughs> going to say I don't know that we win by uh by by five plus <laughs> five scores plus. Um, 35, no. Temple is very bad. They are very they are bad. down a lot of players. They just lost to ECU. I get it. I mean. 28 to 3 to ECU. I'm imagining it's probably senior night, though. Yeah. And I don't, I, I believe this closes out Temple season, if I'm not mistaken. 
And uh, and Aaron, the the uh, mantra for Temple to close the season has got to be: be careful with your girlfriends, guys. Just be careful with your girlfriends. I take I take Temple, um, not to win the game, but to yeah. cover. Uh, okay. Just, because it is senior night, it's their last. Well, you better game. not take them to win the game, man. No. <laughs> I, definitely not. Um, you know, but it's it's senior night. It's a, it's their last game of the season. They got nothing left to play for. Everything, right. everything, everything's on the line for them. Who cares? They're playing with house money, really. Yep. Um, There's a better chance you score a touchdown than Temple scoring a touchdown on Saturday. Oh, I kind of. I'll I'll take those odds. I see Aaron Speed. I don't believe that. <laughs> but Bama is a 24-point favorite. I'm just looking at that Notre Dame game, man. Every Bearcat fan needs to be the biggest Tar Heel fan. Everyone put on your Mac Brown jerseys. and I mean, you know. Bama's, Bama's, Bama's slated 24-and-a-half right now Yeah, over Auburn. And I don't – 24-and-a-half is a lot. I mean, it, it is the number one team in the nation. Auburn's sitting at 22. I get it, but – 24 and a half is a lot. Aaron, we just have to cheer for the Tar Heels. Everyone, we are Tar Heel fans this weekend. Let's cheer them on. Put on that baby blue. Put on the baby blue. But let's take a look at football recruiting real quick, Aaron. Because everyone loves a little tasty, tasty nuggets on the recruiting of the football variety. Obviously, they are clicking on all cylinders. Shimon Matire was able to get himself into the end zone on a nice jump ball reception against Lely or Lely. wonder how they say that one. But that was the first game back for Miami Central in numerous weeks due to COVID. So he was really the only one in action this weekend for the recruits. But you saw a lot of chatter really going heavy on the Twitter waves. And, well, there, there was Jamal Williams as well, who had three tackles and a sack and a win against Gulliver in their postseason as well. So so just a couple of players still going. And, of course, Illinois is supposed to start football in the spring, something to look out for. But the main storyline throughout the this entire past week was had to do with one of the better players in the entire class of 2022 – we're talking about top 100, top 50 at, at certain different places. C.J. Hicks. That is a player that has really been teasing a lot of the the Bearcat faithful. And Mooma, it looks like, Mooma likes him. Yes. I, I It, it kind of looks like it was picking up some steam this past week. And, and, and with these situations, you start, you've kind of seen where when there's smoke, there might be a little bit of fire as well. It seems like this one. Sometimes is... there's just smoke. Yes, but I I want to talk about it because I love it. I want to know but, why. I, know. I want to know where, like, why can't people understand that hometown means that you actually have to play in your hometown? Not home state, not right. home city an hour away, but hometown <laughs> means hometown. Like, come on, man. But. Yeah, you don't think Dayton they, is since are, – aren't they combining the two cities? They've been saying that Isn't since that I was a kid. metro area? For 30 years <laughs> they've been saying that. Get they call out. the state That's of Cincinnati, man. Even be hometown. If he's, I'm questioning his knowledge at that point if he's saying that we're hometown. No, I heard through the grapevine that he is committing Maybe to Maybe he's just woke. Yeah, he's just woke. He's, he's he committing to Dayton. the merger is going to happen. That doesn't – get out of here. Come on. He's – He's taking Obi Toppin's place on the Flyers. That's what I heard. 
<laughs> Congratulations to Obi, by the way. But, you know, the, the fact that there's just, just this much talk around the potential movement of, of a player of that magnitude and just just you're you're seeing like you said Mumu getting involved and and you're seeing just just really high rated players getting heavily involved this is not something that you would even talk about even if it is just blowing smoke well, you know you saw Jonah Jonah, Jonah Little also Lytle was also talking about it a little bit just saying no this is nothing blah 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 but still it's it's you were not seeing anything of this magnitude just three years, four years prior to right now. And I know it's this. Is the, I know this is the recruitment segment, but what about the linemen from Virginia? Yeah, we can talk about that. Who's who's apparently that's much more worth talking about than than CJ Hicks. Yes, Who, who's considering transferring to Cincinnati? Yeah, which which I've heard. Chad, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe this is the guy who was heavily into maybe orchestra. The Jawan Briggs, is that right? No, uh, yeah, Jawan Briggs. No, he's into. Um, he's a singer. He's into like vocal, like right. vocal performance. And and he Broadway was the guy type, that like acting, singing. Was was he the guy that people were starting to pin going into the the uh, famous art school, the performing arts school, CCM? Yeah, yeah at Cincinnati which would be really difficult to be a college athlete and do that as well. But actually, and, and I know people like we actually, we, we have a lot of CCM people on Bearcat journal who have ex- like talked about this and explained this. Right. Um, you probably require more practice hours attending CCM than you do playing football for Cincinnati. Three, four, five hours a day, yep. minimum. Yeah, on top I mean, of coursework, and he, right. he he's. I'm, the no. interesting thing would be, could they find a path yeah. where he could do some stuff with CCM and do some stuff that that didn't require a full uh, CCM course load while he played football? Um, I he's all I know. Really good. Yes, he was. He was Virginia's best defensive lineman. He had 20 tackles, three sacks as a nose tackle. And he would be, for me, the perfect replacement for Elijah Ponder as that boundary defensive yeah. end. And and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I do believe he's already been I contacted. Will. Well, he's following uh, Freeman and, and Fickle. Right. Yeah, I believe he's, he he's talked already to been contacted and all, all over it type thing. Yeah. He talked to Freeman the day he entered the portal. Um, and then the next day he had a zoom with Freeman fickle and Scruggs. Yep. So the difficult part has been figuring out who else is on him. Yeah. Right. Right. Or if he even wants to continue playing college football. Well, what I other mean, coaches is he following? I don't know. Your computer broke. But Hey, Hey, I, <laughs> is your so computer 70, broken? 75th in the nation, the number seven defensive tackle, the second-rated player in the state of Ohio. That is a dandy of a prospect. And then when you do that, and then you all of a sudden put up the stats that you put up in a Power 5 school, Power 5 setting, you know, he's 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 big time. And, and like you said, Chad, obviously we would probably slide right in and just really lessen the blow because obviously we'll, we'll talk about this for many other podcasts coming up. 
obviously we're riding this high right now, but there are going to be some losses on the defensive line, some losses at linebacker, but he would be someone that you could plug in and play immediately, kind of like a Darian Beavers, kind of like what you see on the offensive side with the Jordan Jones and with the Michael Young Jr. So really, that's that's a name to look out for. Obviously, yeah. that one's very far from done. For sure, it'd be fun. Yes, yes. But we need to wrap up, Aaron, because if this was a normal year, just a normal situation, the Bearcat basketball team would already be pretty far into their schedule. They, they'd be ready to probably play their fourth game, maybe, fifth game, possibly. But college basketball is starting up on Wednesday. And I have to admit, I have never seen the start of a season have less publicity, less talk than the college basketball season coming up in three days. Because everything has imploded. It's been a complete disaster with all of the MTEs. You know, NCAA is sitting with egg all over its face right now. Nobody knows what's happening. You got Patino still going on about how there shouldn't even be a college basketball season. I'm not even sure why he's still coaching, to be completely honest, if we're talking about things like that. But uh, that's that's neither here nor there, but I don't know. I mean, it's, it's been a complete disaster. And so, yeah, of course they don't want to publicize like, Hey, we're back because who's to say that because of the way that everything's going with, you know, football programs. And I mean, how many games did we see canceled this week across the country? It was a disaster for canceled games. I think we saw at least 10 games, if not more, I didn't actually count, but as I was going through the, the scores, it was a mess of how many games were either postponed or canceled. So then you're going to talk about basketball where you have these players significantly closer. There is no chance for a face mask in between players. Of course you're doing your COVID testing and all of that, but who's to say what happens here in a kind of uncharted territory. We haven't, the only basketball we've seen since COVID struck has been in a bubble in Orlando. And that was just to get the NBA finals done. It's crazy. It is simply crazy, but who knows? All we know right now is it's really looking like Lipscomb will be game one, and that will be in December. And obviously we'll have a lot of talk leading up to that because aside from that, doesn't really seem like there's any possibility of putting something together in three days or two days when you're listening to this pod before you know, Thanksgiving or well, even we, right after this. There's no... There, there, oh, there's what are you talking about? <laughs> I I live in a fantasy world, Chad. I live in a fantasy world. The only thing but we know right you? now about the only thing we know right now about 2020 is uncertainty dominates yes. all headlines. And, well, and here's don't, don't don't wait, wait. Yes. Don't you think there's a reason I waited to report the five games that I knew about <laughs> for two months? It's because there I was, was waiting to figure out if there was going to be an MTE that was going to happen. There's no MTE. It's not happening. And I think, and I think what what a lot of people are not grasping is that when you hit 25, you cannot add just one game. It has right. to be. You have the to MTE, add the MTE, and which, you have to have at least three teams participating. Right. Yeah, like this is not. There's no like nobody's being coy anymore about this. Chad, I had a segue. There is no MTE. I had a segue. Something along okay, the line. Knock it off. You know, I'm thinking maybe something along the lines of like a black and white scrimmage that Lisa Brand could could let us know. Of. Oh. 
which which took place, which we do have to just mention very, very quickly. Because there, there are two things I gathered away from this. First, it's good to see Tar East and putting up points. Second, it is good to see Zach Harvey's name on, yeah. the, on the screen as well. 100%. That's it. That here's, is it. Here's what, I, here's what I've gathered. This wasn't as much of like a um, – it, it kind of was like a black and white scrimmage, uh, red yeah. and black scrimmage like we've seen. Right. Um, in that – there was no defense. Yeah. It was more just a dress rehearsal to get yep. out there, get the guys on the big court with a little bit of noise in the building, let them run up and down. This wasn't like, um, you know, dig in, everybody's playing at their, yep. their highest level. Um, but it was a chance to just get everybody on the main court to run around, get up and down, um, mm-hmm. make some plays. And uh, I'm told the... <laughs> The action was not very good. <laughs> Toto was pretty sloppy. Yeah. Um, which that's, if, if you remember, for the most part, those relax scrimmages were very sloppy. Yes. And everybody wanted to talk like there was a lot to take from them because it was the first that everybody had seen them. Right. But it wasn't very good basketball. No. Now, I know uh, I that's kind of where they're at. I know I already um, mentioned that I talked to E-Train uh, earlier this week. And yeah. – uh, he said he was going to be there working with the crowd noise and getting his first taste for what it's going to be like to DJ. And why didn't you have him come on and give us his thoughts? I, I mean, I didn't reach out. That's, that's a fail. Yeah. I, I actually got, was going to text you say, on podcast. You got to, you got to next level this thing sometimes. Well, I would, because I didn't want to double dip on my other podcast. I am sure that, Hey, Brent, you believe this, this you believe this is what's happening? I I don't like what I'm hearing, Chad. I don't like what I'm, I'm hearing. But how about this? Try to try to build this guy's brand and how about this, Chad? On us. Hey Chad, how much <laughs> would the board love if Aaron was able to get some what would we call them? Aaron's assets of what E Train says that he was able to gather from the players in the in the scrimmage. I could probably put together an article. Aaron's assets. I could, I Aaron's, could probably Aaron's assets. I, I forgot to tell you, you're, you've got um, you're picking up an additional assignment Saturday. Can't wait, Aaron. You'll right. you'll be doing the uh, the post game article for Temple because Brent is bailing on us. Not bailing. Not bailing. <laughs> I will. I will be back with the fiery vengeance against in the game against BYU and the game against Tulsa. And the college football he's playoffs, written, so don't worry about he's it. He's written off Temple as below him, so he can't write I, the article for Temple on Saturday I, night. I have expected him to travel to Philly to to go cover the game. <laughs> I, Philly's, I, shut, yeah, I Philly's on lockdown, bro. I, I I read somewhere that potentially in Pennsylvania you're going to have to wear masks on the field. They did the yeah. Pittsburgh-Virginia Tech game. Unreal. They wore masks on the field, yeah. Yeah. If we had to be honest, I don't feel great about there being a game Saturday. I was thinking the same thing. But I was also thinking I don't know. I don't know anything yet because I don't, you know, I don't really know anybody at Temple. Uh, but I don't feel great about it. I, I mean, just that situation before their game this weekend was the most bizarre situation. Even more bizarre than the Clemson Florida State. They kicked him off the team. It, like that's crazy. They kicked the kid off the team. You're out. I mean, 
here, here you're chilling with your girlfriend before a big game. Not a big game. Before a game. And before you know it, you're like, oh, hold up. Wait, what'd you say, girl? You, you, have have... you can't even go to college anymore. I mean, dark. I don't even I haven't done my research yet for the uh, the rewind. So I have no idea what we're even talking about. OK, so, so they're their they're fourth string quarterback. Very layman's terms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the morning of the game. His girlfriend. Test positive. Yep. They delayed the game 50 minutes. To test him. He yep. tested positive. Oh, they no. had to contact trace like four players that live with them, probably, I would guess, or in his lifting group or whatever. But they then they went ahead and played the game. And after the game, they kicked his ass off the team. Get out of here. Out. That's not how's that even your fault? Yeah. Probably probably because he wasn't supposed to be with her. He was supposed to be with the team. Oof. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that is that is 2020 in a nutshell. <laughs> like like that that guy's gonna be telling his grandchildren like wait until you hear what happened to me on November <laughs> 20th of 2020. Oof. Or 21st of 2020. Hey, come on. Like that's that is some that stuff was, that's <laughs> movie stuff. Kicking him off was like that was that's a lot. Like that was like yeah. whoa. This must have been like an ongoing thing or something. And or just boot him? First, yeah, maybe not the first offense. Who knows? It, something, it is a weird, weird situation. Very weird. You're the weakest link. Goodbye. Like they just <laughs> punted his ass out of the program. Guardian. My wife thought that was funny. I don't know if you can <laughs> hear it or not. You know what? That was a great show, too. Pretty sad that they. It uh, was. They did away with that one pretty quick. It's back. I, I, I yeah, mean, they did bring it, it back, back, but not but the it's same not lady. The same. It's not the same. Yeah, you had to have that smug British lady. Yeah, you are the weakest, oh, link. The weakest link. Goodbye. Goodbye. There's something condescending about a British or a British accent telling you and to get the hell out of here. If there's anybody that loves condescending, it's Chad Brendel. <laughs> you damn right. <laughs> Gosh, Aaron's um, assets will be so great. I cannot lay for Aaron's assets. Speaking of, do you still have uh, do you still have Nick blocked? <laughs> oh yeah, that guy's out. <laughs> that guy's out. I I can't do it. I can't do the stupidity. Did he try and do it on like the on the pod last night? No, this was somebody from earlier in the week that was like just tried to start a fight with me and and Chad. lost miserably. Oh. Condescending Chad won. <laughs> yeah, I mean, normally, come on. Normally like, does. I, I'm a professional. This is what I do. I get wanting to see, like, what weight class you're at. <laughs> right? <laughs> down, it's fine. But, you know, um, you like how I turn the talk away from that whole basketball scrimmage thing that we don't have a whole lot of info on, don't you guys? <laughs> yeah, that was well, well, that's why I said I can't um, wait to hear about Aaron's assets. I'll see what I can get. I, I, I am continuously told Keith Williams and Chris Vote are the two best players on the team. As they should be. Senior leadership. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I think the question right now, and I think, 
you know, this is what we'll see early in the season. And this is what we've seen from John Brandon, even it was when he was at Northern. And we've talked about this a lot. You know, he had guys that started at small forward for the first 20% of the season that ended up starting a point guard. And right. Um, right. you're going to see a lot of that and ter- not in terms of like guys moving positions, but I just don't think they have a great feel for where the pieces fit, how the puzzle fits because there's so many new guys. Right. They had so much time taken away from them on the court and they have no ability really to see what they have against, you know, other teams. Well, how long have so they been I, practicing for? I mean, it's been on and off since September because they've had to pause. There've been a couple uh, false positives in the program that shut you down for a while, you know, and when, right. when that happens, you're shut down for 10 days. Oh, you guys ready for this? Yeah. You ready? You ready? You ready? Yes. Ready? <laughs> oh! No bookcase. Oh. No bookcase, Paul. <laughs> Wait, what happened? He's connecting to the put it on gallery view. You're not Paul's watching in the, the chat, whole, bud. Whole... Paul has entered the chat. <laughs> Hi, Paul. Hey, Chad. We were, we were we were talking a little basketball, and I was trying. Cases, Aaron. Uh, no, I appreciate no bookcases, man. You got the got the actual. I can see your head. I can see your face. It's not all room. Not all of us have an incredible library. <laughs> I see your family let you out of the laundry room. It's true. It's true. <laughs> It's the Paul Aaron rivalry is phenomenal, Brent. Paul, well, I, Brent. I was able to hear it. I was able to hear it. Hey, he, you know what, Paul? You were you were swinging haymakers, man. Oh, that's not true. I haven't <laughs> that. I only said that one thing because everybody else was ganging up on it. I just thought it was time to stop it. <laughs> I, I take I take punches with the best of them. It's fine. <laughs> that's as long as long as you can take it, you can dish it out anytime. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Paul, what are you, what are your thoughts on um, things being as tight lipped as they? I know you're more of a football guy. But things being as tight-lipped as they have been on the basketball side, with John Brandon looking to protect uh, any information he possibly can before the season starts, and they played Xavier on December sixth. That's new. <laughs> yeah. It's not any different than the previous administration, <laughs> or the one before that, or the one before that. Although I think I, I think he admitted he had more people coming to practice than uh, than Nick ever did. Right. Well, yeah. The, the, the no, Paul. You don't understand. That worked as well for Bearcat Journal as anything in the history of UC athletics. Because there were there were three people sitting in practice: me, Hep, and have you ever met Marvin Kleiman? I have heard the name, but I've never met him. Well, he's rest in peace, Marvin. Uh, but his dad was the mayor of Cincinnati at one point in time. But it literally, those were the three people that practice every day. Me, Hep, and Marvin. And nobody else was allowed in. And that was as good as it could get for Bearcat Journal. <laughs> I, I didn't realize that. I didn't know that you were, that you were going to practice that often. I thought Mick was keeping people out. Oh, he was. It took like five years for me to get uh, practice status. Like I, 
I bugged the shit out of him for five years, and finally right. he gave in. Sorry, Dan. Finally he gave in and let me start to come to practice, which lasted for you know eight years. So same kind of relationship you have with with Fickle, except that that Luke is more open about giving you the crap about it. Luke loves nothing more than picking at me at a uh, exceptionally high clip. <laughs> so it's like me and Paul. Yeah, it's like you and Paul. You and Paul have this. <laughs> Now, Aaron, I don't think that we pick at each other. Oh, no, I just get picked on. It's, it's totally okay. I disagreed with you last night. Hell, I wasn't the only one. Everybody else on the call was, was beating you up. Yeah, it has a point. You get used to it, man. In, in, in fact, I just, I just came over from the, from the, the site and was responding to somebody, who, somebody else who thought like you did that they should have scored. Yeah, still, still feel that way. You'll be able to hear that when the download goes out for uh, for this podcast. Well, and, and I understand that. Uh, I think that, that that you have a different thought process about the about the goal that that Fickle has than than maybe is actually the case. I come but from it, Generation Madden. You always score. You always score. You always score. No, you always keep the other guy from scoring because if you do, you always win. Because if, if you keep the other guy from scoring, if they never get anything but zero, eventually you'll put one over the goal line or into the hoop or across the plate, and then you win the game. If the other guy gets zero, you are guaranteed to win. What, and you know what? You win the AAC title. So if the other guy can't score in that situation because he doesn't have the ball, guess what? We win. And that's all he wants to do. He wants to get to the AAC title game and win it, and that was the way to do it. This is, why, this is why one of us has a podcast and one of us has a $4 million contract to be the head coach of a football team. You know, I mean – Exactly. I'm, I'm just out here spitting takes, and you know. Well, unfortunately, neither one of us has a four million dollar contract to, to, to be the head coach of a football team. You know why? You know why you play the game, Aaron? You play to win the game. Yeah. But we let him off the hook. <laughs> Those are two different things. Playoffs. They are who Playoffs. we are. <laughs> my my other my my all time favorite is what did you think of your team's execution? I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite all time rant. All right. Actually, actually, I was thinking as of last night, like, yes, my team was guilty. <laughs> I'm a man. I'm 40 and I'm a man. <laughs> Come at me. <laughs> oh boy, Paul! Thank you for hopping on late. Much appreciated. We appreciate these derelicts. <laughs> these derelicts drug me late tonight. Like this should already be over. My wife's my wife can't watch TV because I'm in the office. Like it, we should have been done hours ago. But Brent heads are falling off. Yeah, the Brent Brent had to mess things up. Oh, you know, <laughs> come on. No, honey, I'm blaming Brent. I'm not blaming you. It's okay. Brent, did you have a good time? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, 
behind enemy lines was uh, was very interesting at this one. I because obviously you don't you haven't seen anything crowd like like this uh, for the past six eight months. So it was uh, and it was loud. It was very very loud. And 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 you you can listen back on the pod. They they were pumping crowd noise in there like I have ever witnessed during a game during this weird year, and it's uh, it really had a had a strange feeling throughout the game. But I mean, it was it was cool being there. the uh, The press box went on a crazy roller coaster with me, but yeah, in in the end, the good guys came out on top. All that's important, the yep. good guys won. Amen. Amen. We're, we're we're gonna have to work on the Paul segment of the BBP. I like that. I have a segment. <laughs> I, like Paul comes in, Paul pops in at the end, and yeah, like Paul, you know, Paul pops in. Paul pops in. Ooh, the I BBP. Like Paul pops in. We do. We do the BB. Oh, it's the BB Paul. Outstanding. All right. It's just cool to have an opportunity to talk about Bearcat sports. Oh yeah, Paul, you were awesome. You were awesome last night, Paul. You were absolutely awesome. All right, I, I got I got a call. I, I, so you guys end this, and we're gonna get out of here. Paul, thank you for popping in. Aaron, Brent, you guys do your thing. And, uh, thank you, Paul. We'll All right. Well, hey, that does it. A fantastic guest coming in at the very end. I, that is like what? What do you call that? A cherry on top. A little yes. bit of a. A, a cake after a nice five course meal or the cigarette fantastic after. dessert for that all you listeners. It. Yes, Aaron cigarette after adult X. It's fine. Okay. That's, that's a yes. Teach their own teach their own. But for Paul, for Chad, for Aaron Smith, I am Brent young. Thank you very much guys. Yet again, this was the BBP on bearcatjournal.com. See ya.